is Nayaswami Sadhana Devi, and this is my husband, Nayaswami Jaya. <coughs> Jaya and I are members of Ananda, have been for about 50 years, and we are also ministers here. Today I would like to read to you, again, from Rays of the One Light, Weekly Commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible by Swami Kriyananda. Today's reading is The Secret of Right Action. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus visiting the home of Martha was teaching while her sister Mary sat at his feet, absorbing his divine love and wisdom. Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving her guests and was upset with Mary for not helping her. Lord, she cried, doesn't it matter to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Please ask her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is useful, needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable and not, on the surface of it, spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have told Mary to get up and help her. We don't really know that he didn't. Consider it, <coughs> consider it as he always was of others' needs. But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees to work for God or to spend all one's time in prayer. It concerns, rather, the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you are doing too much. He told her, rather, you are letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast, not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, Actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. And welcome.
welcome everybody to today's Sunday service. And I, as I mentioned uh, right prior to our meditation, I remember that today is Mother's Day and I'd like to uh, give my best wishes and uh, honor all of those of you in the audience that are mothers, those of you who are tuning in online are also mothers and Sadhana Devi, happy Mother's Day. Uh, today, this is a reading that we come to every year, roughly about this time, about the story of Martha and Mary. And I think as Sadhana Devi read from the reading, it's not about contemplation versus work, certainly not even about contemplation versus outward service, service not being work itself, but it's really about the attitude that we approach our service. It's an, it's an attitude of how we even approach our work. It's our attitude, you could say, even how we approach our meditation. Also, to have that attitude of self-offering and the attitude of communion with the Lord. Otherwise, what we are engaging in, what we so-called service that we seem to do, uh, is we're actually engaging in restlessness. And it's being restless when our mind is involved in all the various busy, busyness that we see epitomized here by the story of Martha. And Swami made an interesting point, and he alluded to it in this reading. Whenever we are acting in life outside of God communion, we are essentially acting from ego consciousness. Now, I don't mean to say that service outwardly, if we're not in perfect God communion, is not a good thing. This is all directional, of course, and service in whatever way we do, however little our perfection is in this, is ennobling. It brings us to that point of being able to work in service in God communion. It purifies the soul, and it obviously, it does good things for ourselves, also, it does good things for society as a whole. And I, but nevertheless, this deeper point of service, the purpose of it, and the attitude that we take into whatever we're doing is important, for, especially for now in a time when all of us, the world at large, some are being affected more right now by the situation that we're, we're facing in the world with this pandemic, all of us are being called to service in one form or another. But in that challenge, you might say, in that battle that all of us are being called to face, we need to keep this purpose in mind. We have to act in the right service, in the right spirit, in order for it to effectively be of service to us in terms of uplifting us and purifying us, but also effectively bringing to others the true benefits that we can bring if we can to the act in the highest degree that we can act in divine communion to the degree that we can do that. And so we have this story of Martha and Mary, and I think it's Swamiji makes perfectly clear in that reading that it was attitude. And I think this is what we need to look in ourselves also, look in our own attitude of what's our attitude towards something. We can be doing the most noble of things, but if we're angry, 
if we're, you might say in this case, Martha was saying, and I think all of us have been in situations when we're working really hard and we see somebody, come on, help me, you know, I want, I want that help. And we can feel a little bit resentful toward that. You know, right away, something's off. And that's not what true service is. And there's something off in our attitude. There's a story that comes to mind when I first met Swami Kriyananda in 1968. I lived in the city of Berkeley, California, and Swami lived across the water, across the bay in San Francisco. And I would go to his apartment, his flat, every Thursday night for satsang after I came to know him. And I, in those days, I was a young man, and I was, and some of you are old enough to remember the 1960s, certain element of it, uh, particularly in the Bay Area where I was, San Francisco Bay Area, was very uh, socially active and demonstrations, the war was going on against Vietnam, and I was involved in that. And one Thursday, I had been involved in a activist situation, demonstration of sorts, and it was, peaceful, except it got a little bit rowdy and the police reacted very violently. I characterized it as a police riot, what happened, and people got hurt and I was very upset. I was angry. I won't <laughs> mince my words. I was very angry. And I went that evening carrying that anger with me to Swami's uh, flat. And when I walked in the door, Swami says, uh, what's wrong? You know, you could see, I guess, my face or my tone of my voice or whatever it would be. And I began to tell him, this happened, that happened, and this happened. And I was emotionally uh, fervent, fervent, I guess. And I was, and I was going, I was listing these things. And Swami says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he said this in a very calm, centered voice, but concerned for me not necessarily for the situation I was explaining, but he, he said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so glad you came tonight. Let's, you know, I'm glad you came to the satsang tonight. And then he went about his business and I was asked to take a seat. And my reaction to that was, I was miffed. <laughs> I was at this, I went into a mood I was in, in, in an angry mood, one for the activities that happened during the day. But I wanted Swami to you say, oh, that's terrible. Oh, those policemen. Oh, it was. And I wanted to draw him into my anchor. Now, I, I didn't realize that at the time. But looking back on it, that's, what I, that's why I became miffed in my own way. I wanted to draw him into that. And I wanted him to become, become angry. But he didn't. And I held on to that mood for about two weeks until finally I became, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was being perfectly centered, perfectly calm, perfectly solution oriented, and he went about what he was, his appropriate reaction. It was perfectly appropriate. And matter of fact, if I would have been a little bit more receptive, it might have taken me out of that mood. And it reminded me now of that story, how when Swami himself, when he was a disciple, early disciple of Master, he went into a mood. And finally, he got himself out of it. And when he did, and he next saw Master, Master said to him, no more moods now, Walter. If you have, if you're, otherwise, how will you be able to help people? 
And looking back on it, I realized that's what I needed somebody to tell me at that time. But I came out of it and I came to realize that, yes, if you want to change other people, you or yourself have to begin with yourself. I overcame that mood, but I wasn't going to be serviceful. I could have gone and did all my things that I was doing in that part of my time of my life, but I was motivated by less than noble moods, you might say, in that time. So was that serviceful? Whatever it was I was doing, trying to promote peace? I don't think it necessarily was, but maybe it helped a little bit. I don't say it was wrong, but it was less than it could have been. Now, saying that, it leads me to a second story. About a year later, yeah, almost a year later, a little bit less, six, seven, eight months later, I had moved to Ananda Meditation Retreat. At that time, it was a piece of property that Swamiji had owned, and it was 1969 by now. And in the summer of 1969, Swamiji had, with, uh, with the help of some of us devotees, had opened this meditation retreat, and people would come on the weekends. And Swamiji would give cl classes, and during the week, it was very quiet. People would not be there too much. Just a few handful of us were there. Swami was still there. He was writing at that time. And, one, and he, sometimes he'd come up and join us in the evening. And one evening after dinner, he came up to where we were sitting there in the dining room. And there was a half a dozen of us sitting around the table, you know, after dinner, talking. I don't remember about what. But it was evening time, dark, getting dark. And all of a sudden, somebody comes running into the room and he says, come, come quick, there's a fire, there's a fire. And what do you do when you hear that, especially here in this environment in the summertime, dry, fire season, dangerous. So this fellow, young man came in saying, fire, fire, come help, quick. And so we all jumped up, and Swami included, and we ran out the door. And this is a time Swami was very vigorous in his own right at that time. We ran out the door, ran down the hill to where there was a cabin in the woods. And this an A-frame cabin and had been built um, within the last year, a year previous to that. And we, it was on fire. And I got down there, and I looked at that, and I thought, we're not putting this fire. <laughs> a stove had been heated up and it uh, had caught, you know, this is probably in the late summer, and it had caught the cabin on fire and I could see the flames. We had no equipment or water to be able to put it out. But that wasn't the issue. I think the fire, we realized the cabin was gonna go, but it was right in the middle of the forest. Surrounded, there's brush all around it, and immediately we we said, and somebody says, "Quick, quick, get the tools. We need to make a fire break around this. We can't let the fire spread into the forest." And so what we began to do is, of course, we took whatever tools we could find at, at hand, Swami included, and we started, you know, making sure the fire didn't go into the into the forest, catching the brush, which it started to do, a little bit of the brush on fire, and the embers, of course, going up and landing here and there, putting everything out. Well, while we, while we started doing this, one of the fellows that was with us there at the table in the dining room had run down there. He thought, if you think, I'm gonna be merry here. God communion is what is needed here. And so he sat cross-legged, lotus posture, and he began 
chanting Om. Om, Om. And now while he's doing this, his fire is raging right there in front of us. We're scrambling like crazy to put this thing out to save it. And he's sitting there going, Om. And I was right next to him. And then Swami walks up to him and says, what are you doing? <laughs> Can't you see the fire is right? The fire is right, is raging. Come, you help us. And the guy, oh, oh, oh. And then and he got up and of course we put the fire out. It was a matter of appropriateness here. And you see, some people, they take these things to extreme. I have to be in God communion. That's what, you know, in God, in God communion, well, then everything's going to work out right. Now, I suspect if a person was, a, was an advanced yogi, maybe Babaji there, saying, oh, you probably could have put the fire out. But this young man was not Babaji. And, <laughs> and we have to be appropriate. But while he got up and did that, Swami was also working vigorously. But again, he was perfectly centered. He, I mean, I have to admit, I was frantic a little bit, you know, oh, you know, get the fire out, get the fire out. He was, he went, he went, he was vigorous, but he was just boom, right there. And that's what we need to do when we're talking about service. We have to, it's, it's not an either or thing in what we do outwardly. It's carrying that attitude into motion in whether that service is one communion, but then taking that communion, you could say, God consciousness, and it's even better if appropriate at the time to put that into service, to act in appropriate manner in service, whatever that might be. Now, how we should serve, here we are, we're faced with a fire you might say, fire of, of COVID-19, it's raging. Some country, uh, countries much worse than others. We have our centers in India where it's going very badly right now, and we need to respond. And so, yes, we can respond restlessly. We can run circles around ourselves like perhaps I was doing when that fire was going on or we can respond in God consciousness. But it's not enough just to say OM. We have to do more than that, unless we're in that consciousness of spirit. And so we're in this situation where we need to, are being challenged, and we have an opportunity to serve, to turn our work into a self-offering, and to the degree that we can serve in God consciousness, we are blessed by that opportunity. And so we have these warriors of light, meditations, the warriors of life, prayer sessions. To act as a true warrior of the spirit is to act in the right attitude, to be, you might say, merry in action in this situation, but to have that consciousness. And so this is, Mary had chosen the better part. Martha, in a sense, was acting out of ego restlessness. And this is the point that's being made here in this reading, is our actions, when we're, they're made outside of God, a remembrance of God, 
service to God are essentially ego restlessness. But yet, I qualify it. If that's all we can do, that's certainly better than nothing. And But nevertheless, we must realize the direction in which we're going. Swamiji uh, told a story of, uh, well, he recounted a story that, uh, a reading that he had read from the 10th century of a abbot who was asked the question, what should I do? And I, I wrote it here so I could get the, quote, get the wording right. What should I do if I am uplifted into a state of ecstasy? A monk asked the abbot this. And, and the bell rings to call me to communal prayer. So imagine, a fellow goes into ecstasy and the bell's ringing up. I gotta go to, you know, go to the church and pray. And the abbot, wise man that he was, says, you should remain in that condition to which God has called you. The purpose of prayer, and this is Swami's comment on that, the purpose of prayer, whether private or communal, is to bring you into closer communion with God. But then Swami went on to say that he read also of another abbot of the 20th century when asked that same question. That abbot responded, what you receive from God is yours to enjoy in eternity. Meanwhile, here on earth, your first duty is to obey our monastic rule. Now, there's a two different perspectives on that approach. First, in ecstasy, commune with God, that's your highest duty. The second, follow the rules. That's your highest duty. And I think this epitomizes one of the reasons why our masters incarnate and, and Paramahansa Yogananda specifically came with the mission to revitalize original Christianity and bring it, show the, the connection between original Christianity and original yoga as taught by Sri Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. And this, uh, uh, seems to, for many people, to have been lost because they've lost the techniques, perhaps. They don't know the methods by which to put oneself into communion. And so Master not only came with that mission, he came with the tools to allow us to actually do that in our mission. Now, Swami went on to tell another story about the time he was in England this uh, traveling, this was, he was, I'm guessing this would have been in the 1970s sometime, uh, early 80s, not, mo not much later than that. And he was in England. And while he was in England, he was invited to a conference of spiritual teachers from different denominations and you know, finding these types of things, finding common ground. And each was invited to speak about the topic of the, the purpose of religion in the modern day, you know, that, uh, you know, what it, what it should be, how it should be practiced. And various people from various traditions came up and spoke, and Swami was invited to speak. But right before Swami spoke, there was another man who came from a tradition in England. I'm not sure which one it was, Church of England, maybe, I don't know. And this man was fervent. He was on fire and he says, modern religion, 
The religion of the past is no longer appropriate for today. Modern religion needs to take that religion into the streets and make it real. We must work for social change and uplift the downtrodden, and so on and so forth. <laughs> now, there's, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> to some degree. Swami gets up after that. That is the first purpose of the modern religion, you might say, is what the man went on. You know, and Swami came up very, again, calm, centered, as Swami was in these situations. And he says, uh, somewhat sheepishly, he says, I, it's not good, it's not courteous for me in this position to contradict a somebody who has already spoken, but I, I must say something. <laughs> I must bring this up. Our first duty as religion, in religion, as religionists, our first duty is communion with God. And from that communion to act in the way that is appropriate for God's guidance to lead us to do. For some, that may be active service. For some, that may be private communion in a monastic setting. But it should come from within. And then I'm sure he was, in a sense, saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is ancient religion, and that is modern religion of our duty, or what we as religionists are called to. So now I paraphrase those words, and if anybody has a transcript of that, you know, uh, from the past, I'd love to see it because I could not find it. But I remember Swami telling that story. Well, this, of course, is a story that resonates with all of us even today. And that's a story that is epitomizing in relationship to the crisis of service that we're facing today, that we must do what's appropriate, but appropriate for us. How is our service going to be meaningful? And we, each one of us, does it should not look to the outside, well, he's doing that, she's doing that, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. No, first thing we do is we contact God, we contact Guru's grace, we look within and we ask God, how do you want me to serve? Thy will, thy will be done. How can I serve? Now, some people can serve by outwardly in many different ways. One can, can do that. If you're a doctor, that may be one thing. If you're a nurse, another. But maybe it means prayer. Maybe it means finding ecstasy and spreading your bliss to other people. I don't know. Each of us in our own level have to go in, and it's from that inner inspiration that we then outwardly serve in an appropriate way. And to the degree that each of us have different capacities, we serve to our capacity. That is what purifies us, and that is what turns work into service, and that's what will reach out and touch other people. They will see 
it does not help us to be in the mud puddle to all, if somebody is in that puddle, to get in there with them and try to pull them out. We have to throw them a rope. And that rope is, from Master's teachings, is the rope of joy, the rope of bliss. But if we can take it to the next stage and put that bliss into action, put that bliss into motion, then what do we have? Swamiji characterized, he defined you have bliss and you have bliss in motion. And he defined bliss in motion as what? As love. True love of one's fellow man, true love of others comes from that bliss of communion with God. And it's that which we can share that will uplift others. And that's our first duty. To the degree we can put that in motion, well, that also, love, thy, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and, and, and uh, will, and thy neighbor as thyself. Take it to that if we can. And so this is what we're being called to now, is to serve in whatever way is appropriate. This is what Mary chose. She was a disciple. And as disciples, this is our duty, our challenge, our opportunity and to, to choose the better part, you might say, just as Mary was. Choose the better part, just as the disciple should. God bless all of you today, and in the weeks and months to come. Joy to you. For our offertory, I'd like to play Love is the Aspiration Toward Perfection. This is written by Swami Kriyananda, and it is part of the album Secrets of Love. <laughs> 